0: Hello and welcome to the Susquehanna County Conservation District's Conservation Corner. I'm Don Hibbard.
1: And I'm Courtney Brons.
0: And each week we bring you conservation topics and events from around the Endless Mountains. Well, most likely your garden tools have probably been cleaned and put away, and hopefully you're enjoying some of the harvest from this year's garden efforts. But I think it's never too early to start thinking about next year's garden, right?
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: So today we're talking about a potential new enemy, not only of your garden, but possibly your whole entire property.
1: So digging in your garden and finding a handful of earthworms has always been thought to be a good thing, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, at least before this episode, I thought so, right?
1: Right. So worms improve soil structure, they increase air and water movement, and just really help your plants out in general. But however, in many parts of the country, including Pennsylvania, European earthworms are being replaced by a much less beneficial species, the Asian jumping worm. Asian jumping worms are invasive, and they can be found in the southeast, along the eastern seaboard, in the Midwest, Mid-Atlantic, and some northwestern states.
0: Yeah, so let's just back up a minute and find out how they actually got here in the first place. Well, scientists are kind of unclear exactly how the worm was introduced. They are native to Southeast Asia, as the name implies, and they kind of think that they arrived in the United States by boat, uh, whether it was a plant shipment or plant shipments. Um, possibly they could have been sold as bait. They can actually survive 20 minutes underwater. So, you know, quite possibly uh, along the lines of fishing um also another idea there where they think they originated from is actually just compost so compost coming over from asia Uh, so there's a couple different possibilities unsure exactly how they got here but it is known that they're here now Uh, so these invasive worms actually live in the top layer of the soil this layer of organic matter protects the soil from erosion Actually many tree roots establish in this layer of the forest floor and it's where many wildflower other plants grow as well. The Asian jumping worms feed on this organic matter and unfortunately quickly degrade the soil and so nutrients from their castings are quickly released which might sound like a good thing but only small amount of nutrients actually make it to the roots of the trees and plants so when there's a storm event these nutrients are lost quickly and it makes it difficult for the soil to support any plant life when this type of disturbance happens in soil provides the perfect conditions for invasive plants like garlic mustard or your stilt grass that type of thing uh, they establish much quicker
1: so the Asian jumping worms only live for one season So they die each year after the first freeze. And the cocoons, which are about the size of a mustard seed, will survive the winter and hatch in the spring after temperatures have reached 50 degrees Fahrenheit for a consistent period. One worm can produce many cocoons without mating, so they're pretty prolific breeders. This year, fortunately in May, there was a late freeze that killed many of the worm hatchlings This is good news for Pennsylvania, because it significantly reduced the Asian jumping worm population in the state.
0: So you mentioned a couple seasons, so let's kind of focus on when to actually look for them. Uh, They say that April through May, these tiny jumping worms hatch from the cocoon encased eggs. If you didn't know, uh, that's primarily how earthworms are born, Um, so you're looking for little cocoons. Um, you can look it up on Google and get an idea exactly what they look like. Uh, the summer months, the worms feed and grow. August through September, mature worms reproduce. They deposit the egg filled cocoons into the surroundings. Jumping worms are parthenogenic, which means each worm can reproduce on its own without a mate. Another problem, definitely. Uh, so, the first freeze, the adult worms die, as you mentioned. And during the winter months, eggs spend the cold months protected in the cocoons, which are about the size of mustard seeds.
1: So you're probably wondering at this point how you would know if you have these invasive worms living in your soil. And if you do have them, what do you do to control them? One sure sign of an infestation is a very uniform and granular soil created from worm castings. So the texture of this type of soil is often compared to coffee grounds and when you scratch the top layer of your soil, you can sometimes find these worms thrashing around erratically. They're much more active than regular European night crawlers, and they can reach up to six inches in length. And if you examine one of the worms up close, they have a prominent band around their body called a clitellum. This is where the cocoons are produced. So on a jumping worm, the band completely encircles the body, and it's a milky white to light gray color, and it's flush with the body whereas on a european nightcrawler the band is raised and it's a reddish brown color and it does not wrap the whole way around the worm's body
0: yeah and you also alluded to the fact that unlike european nightcrawlers or worms these worms they are pretty erratic Um, they're not necessarily going to jump but they are very active compared to regular worms so i think you would notice the difference just generally looking at them and seeing the behavior. Uh, It it can be very difficult to eradicate invasive species. As you know, uh, if you experience invasive species in your backyard, be it plants or animals, especially when they're already well established in the ecosystem. Uh, If you only have a small population of jumping worms, you can try to handpick and destroy all the worms. Um, They mentioned that you can actually bag them up, throw them away. To find the worms easier, ecologists mentioned um, making a mustard solution. So this is new to me. Uh, and they mentioned one third cup dry mustard to a gallon of water. And you drench the area. The solution will irritate the worms and bring them to the surface. And that's your chance to actually collect them, uh, get rid of them the best way you know how. As flushing them down the toilet, uh, putting them in a bag, letting them die, but you know uh, just getting rid of them in, in general.
1: Research is still ongoing on the topic, but abrasive materials such as ground up charcoal and fossilized diatoms may kill adult jumping worms. So incorporating you know, one of these materials into the affected soil can cause worms who come in contact with the soil to be adversely affected. And when you're talking about getting rid of these worms, it's also really important to kill all of the cocoons in the soil. So the cocoons are very sensitive to heat, and they can be destroyed by covering moistened soil with a sheet of transparent plastic for two or three weeks in the late spring or early summer. This will cause the soil to heat up, and all of the cocoons will die.
0: Yeah, I think it's fair to say, if we go back in the show, uh, mentioning how they originally came here... You can say, hey, just buy local compost. Um, If you are going to be fishing, buy native bait. Uh, Two easy ways to make sure that these uh, Asian jumping worms don't end up in our area. All right, well, so we do have a couple events we'd like to mention. Uh, The Rail Trail, actually over in Uniondale, they have Thanksgiving Day and Day After Walk. So that's on November 26th at 9 a.m., at the Simpson Trailhead, 4 p.m. at Uniondale Trailhead. Uh, make sure you bring the headlamps for that walk. And then November 27th at 10 a.m. at the Forest City Trailhead. So I mentioned that you can burn those calories before the big meal or after the big meal. You meet up for the day after to walk and burn those calories from all the great food.
1: Yeah, so Salt Springs is hosting a holiday centerpiece and nature craft class on Sunday, December 13th at 1 p.m. And it'll run roughly till 3.30 p.m. You'll gather some of nature's treasures and create your own artwork. You can make wreaths, centerpieces, ornaments, and more. So bring your creativity and a container to take home your artwork. Bringing your own tools, such as shears, scissors, glue, and a glue gun will be helpful if you have them. They'll also have a limited supply available to share as well. Dress warmly, the program fee is $5 per person, and Friends of Salt Spring State Park members can attend for free.
0: Alright, I think that does it for today's show. If you have any questions related to our shows, you can contact the Conservation District by calling 570 782-2105. If you missed a portion of today's show, you can go to our website www.suscondistrict.org. You can find our Conservation Corner page with past episodes, links to information about past episodes, and a contact form where you can reach out and you can ask questions or make comments about the show. You can even suggest ideas for future shows.
1: You have been listening to the Susquehanna County Conservation District's Conservation Corner. I'm Courtney Bronze.
0: And I'm Don Hibbard saying, enjoy the outdoors.